What is up, diehards? Wes Monell in the building for AWOL Sports. Kicking back, watching this Lakers Nuggets game one in the NBA playoffs. Today, going to talk about my fantasy football team heading into week two. I know we just watched thir- Thursday night football between the Bengals and the Browns. But the rest of week two coming up this weekend. Let's talk about some of my fantasy woes. Maybe you can relate and shoot me some Twitter questions or whatever whatever, uh, whatever your takes are on anything I bring up here. And uh, if you have any questions, we'd love to help you. Uh, I got to tell you, so in one of my leagues, everything you're about to hear, it's on the same team. You can't make this up. And all right, here we go. Miles Sanders. So that was my second round pick. He missed week one. Marlon Mack, a later round pick, but I kind of targeted him because I figured he'd be the starter at the beginning of the season. I liked the Colts schedule. I didn't think Jonathan Taylor, even if he had showed out, would take the full load immediately. So I kind of like getting Marlon Mack late in the draft. Moving on, I did go with Leonard Fournette when he was still on the Jacksonville Jaguars before he got cut. Problem is, he went to a team where I drafted that running back, Ronald Jones of the Buccaneers. So I had both guys. I I feel a little out of luck there with these four running backs here. I know Miles Sanders plays tomorrow, max out for the year. Who knows what's going to transpire between Rojo and Fournette in Tampa Bay. You got to think some sort of a timeshare, maybe, maybe not, uh, as it pertains to Fournette taking over. And then you get over to the pass catchers. George Kittle's out for the week. Granted, the 49ers may not need him against the Jets. But it is what it is. They're 0-1. They want to get in that win column. He's got a sprained knee. Usually takes two to four weeks for the average person to get through. I get it. Athletes, especially one like George Kittle and the doctors and the recovery and all that, we'd think perhaps it'd be quicker sooner than later. Uh, his teammate, Debo Samuel, I thought was a steal later in drafts as well. Starts the year on IR, as does Alshon Jeffrey, also on my roster. You know, they didn't they didn't put him on the pup list, and I knew he'd miss a game or two. Uh, so that that is the one that I kind of figured. But uh, losing Duke Johnson week one, not the end of the world, not a guy you're going to play anyway. Uh, I'm, I actually picked him up in all my leagues because although I'm a David Johnson fan, I'm just playing the odds here. You got you to gotta pick your spots to gamble and, and your spots for handcuffs at some point. And the odds that I'm playing, David Johnson, not likely to play 16 games. You know, I know Duke Johnson hasn't been that guy to get a full load due to injury or anything like that. But week one, we saw he was involved in some two back sets. I, I, I'm still going to hold on to Duke Johnson. I'm not going to drop him. I, I think he's still a valuable piece in an offense that, that's going to use him because last year, Carlos Hyde, first year of his career, over 1,000 yards. So that's a valuable position running back in general in fantasy football, but also for the Houston Texans, who's not to stray off too far here, but their offensive line kind of gets too much shade. And, and look, last year Deshaun Watson had top 10 time in the pocket. Last week, he had a whole second longer to throw the ball than Patrick Mahomes, yet he was pressured, quote-unquote, 
double the time than Mahomes at 36%. You might have heard me bring that up last week doing the week one takeaways. But, yeah, like there's, you know, some development still going on with Deshaun Watson, even though he got the contract. There's still development going on with Pat Mahomes, Carson Wentz. These guys all got their big contracts. Doesn't mean they're not great, you know, like today level great. I'm not going all time, nothing like that. But today, like, yeah, these are three of the top five to six guys you're going to start a franchise with across the board. But, you know, I say all that circle back around Duke Johnson, Houston. Look, just said that Carlos Hyde had his first year over a K in his entire career. So that offensive line's a little bit better than, than the perception is. And moving on to some other players on my team, A.J. Brown out for the week. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I, I see people racing to get Corey Davis, uh, if not after week one and cracking the triple digit mark. They did, you know, with, with the news that A.J. Brown may not play. It's official he's out. It's another loss, man. Um, but, look, I wouldn't rush to Corey Davis this week. He's playing the Jaguars on paper. You might be like, yeah, it looks good. He he led the team in targets. Even if he was tied, he tied for the lead in targets last week. And he's got a rapport with Tannehill. I get that. He's a former first-round pick. Had a good week. He's going up against C.J. Henderson, who graded out excellent last week in his debut and man he he did his thing against ty hilton even though he has philip rivers a better quarterback than last year than that was thrown to him ty hilton you know didn't have the greatest game of his career cj henderson I believe it was like an 84 or 86 grade on pff uh, i'm gonna pull that up i did bring it up on the week one takeaways but I'd like to give you an accurate answer right now since, you know, it's on the brain and we're talking about it. And, yeah, it was 84.2, 84.2 um, for a corner, man. So that, that's, that's outstanding. And then um, touch back up because I did pick up Harris Campbell. Uh, you know, the Vikings, they, you know, they got shredded by Aaron Rodgers. So this is another uh, veteran quarterback here in Phillip Rivers last week. Back to C.J. Henderson, he only allowed – and I didn't look at how many snaps he he covered T.Y. Hilton, uh, but I see T.Y.'s stat line, nine targets, only caught four of them for 53 yards. So, I mean, I temper expectations greatly when it comes to Corey Davis here this week. And, and there's a couple other receivers on, on this same team here. We've talked about Miles Sanders – Marlon Mack, Rojo, Fournette, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, Alshon Jeffrey, Duke Johnson. I can't make this up. And I got two guys playing through injuries, Jarvis Landry, Jalen Rager. And last year, you know, I thought it was going to stay last year, but I had eight receivers in and out of the lineup due to injuries and suspension. I had Antonio Brown, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, I thought I'd just shrug it off New Year and all that. Not even happening, man. I've made 25 moves. 25 moves for this one fantasy team. Just the field starters. Like, it's been ridiculous. Uh, but it is what it is. Hey, I'm glad it, I do other things, too. I play daily fantasy. I throw in my bets and my parlays every week. Uh, I'm just a diehard. Uh, you probably are, too, if you're listening to this or you're interested. Holler at your boy. Uh, I, when it comes to parlays, I – 
I usually only bet on underdogs, to be honest with you. You win more money that way. So, and if you're not familiar, parlay is when you, when you bet on two or more games, but you have to hit them all. You combine those, and however many you combine, like, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll do like seven to 12 teams. I'll throw them all on there and pick them to win straight up or against the spread, whatever I'm kind of looking at and feeling good about. And I've won sometimes. I've lost more times. It is what it is. It's the gamble. But, like, I, I put, like, a dollar down for 12 teams to win, and I would have won, like, three – no. Yeah, 300 bucks, something like that. So, I mean, it's worth it. You know, if, if you think you're good at this stuff, give it a try. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter or Facebook uh, to, to see what, what I use if you'd like. Uh, if you, if you want me to send you in a direction that, you know, feel comfortable that someone, you know, or someone you listen to actually uses a betting site uh, or, you know, uh, go with whatever interfaces work with you, whatever you're comfortable with, whatever looks good and easy for you to navigate. You, you don't want to just pick up something because quote unquote, everyone is doing it and then you join in and it's not for you, but there's the alternative kind of like the FanDuel and DraftKings thing. I mean, they're both fairly simple, but just throw out an example. And, uh, hey, all I got to say, coming back to my fantasy team, last year, redraft league, I did trade Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I flipped him in a fourth-round pick for Philip Lindsay in a first. So, you know, I was on the outside end of the bubble looking at that playoff picture, and I saw my player matchups. I wasn't really feeling it. And so I've, I found a way to acquire two first-round picks. I wound up going with Pat Mahomes and Saquon Barkley, my home league, eight teams. But we played two QBs and three running backs, also three receivers, a tight end, and our flex spot is a receiver tight end option. So due to our scoring and bonuses, because uh, we do points for completion, points for carry, we at we give points for everything in that league. Uh, I am the commissioner in that one. Been running that with my close group of friends since forever. Like really, I've been playing fantasy since 1999. <laughs> um, this league, I think this league might've been going on since 05 or 07. This one in particular. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, we have two defenses in that league, six IDP and, Hey, you'd hate me for adding a second kicker, but what the hell is what it is. We have ample room in the league to expand starters like that. So we have multiple QBs, uh, extra running back, extra wide out in the lineup, uh, extra defense, extra kicker, and IDP. So, you know, we count as many stats as we're able to. I don't do any of those half points or point one, point two, none of that. That's not for me. I played in leagues like that. Um, auction leagues are interesting. I like them too. I prefer, I have the most fun. I've done dynasty and all that. I have the most fun in redraft. You, you kind of have to bring it every year, bring it in the draft, manage it week to week. Uh, no laurels to really rest on. So I just find it more challenging. Uh, not to throw shade on any other league. I love fantasy football, all versions, all, all league types. It's fun, man. It's fun. I'm all about it. I've been all about it, as you heard, 22 years now. That's the first time I've actually thought and said it out loud. 22 years into fantasy football. Wow, I'm getting old. 
Wow. All right. Let's see. Yeah, there's something else I want to talk about. Uh, I guess you can take away some fantasy football out of it. It's more so reality, but, you know, if you're talking stats, of course it correlates. Uh, I want to talk about some quarterbacks uh, that could be locks to throw over 600 times this season. Carson Wentz threw 607 pass attempts twice so far, including last season. Maybe he shatters that this year. 40 passes a game, that's 640 in a season. Last week, he threw 42 times. Miles Sanders was out. Right guard and right tackle were out. Receivers limited. Sounds just like last season. Didn't really have a run threat. So he threw the ball a lot. Even when they had a lead, uh, to their detriment in reality football, they lost that lead, and they were one-dimensional. Carson Wentz had a tough day overall. There's just more to the story there. Take that from an Eagles fan. Uh, the other QB we just watched last night, rookie Joe Burrow, what's not? I mean, who who doesn't like him after two games? Yes, there's rookie moments and mistakes. Man, but you can see it. You can see it. Uh, you don't you don't see what Joe Burrow's doing, the flashes, the glimpses, the the drives that he has. Like I loved his last drive of week one, even though it resulted in OPI on AJ Green and they wound up kicking a field goal that they missed and then they got the L from it. And he just didn't quit last night either. Thursday night football, prime time. Man, you can just see it in Joe Burrow. Uh, and if you don't, or if you're like, nah, I'd love to watch some film with you. Really, I invite you. So hit me up on Twitter or Facebook. We'll do some screen share. Uh, but back to Burrow and his stats. He's thrown 48. Huh. I'm not sure that was 48. I think I have a – let me let me fact check this here. I think it was 38, to be honest. In week one, how many throws he had. Let's see here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was 36. Okay. Yeah, I knew this was a typo. But, uh, yeah, so week one, Joe Burrow throws 36 attempts. Last night, he throws 61 more. Math says it's 97 total in two games, an average of 48 and a half. That's probably going to be the case all year. And why not? Let him air it out. Let him learn. Uh, I know the old line thing, but hey, they got wideouts there. Maybe get the ball out quick, avoid some of the hits and pressures that are unnecessary. Uh, something that this veteran quarterback struggled to do last year. Um, Matt Ryan, he threw more than 600 times the past two seasons. Week one, he helped three receivers top 100 yards on 54 attempts. I'd consider him a lock again. I know they played from behind, but whether they're in the game or playing from behind, I, I see Matt Ryan doing it for three straight years, man. Uh, we just mentioned, so those guys, Wentz, Burrow, Ryan, they're three of the 10 QBs that have thrown 40 passes in a game in this short season so far. There's seven more. Of those seven, Jared Goff probably gets there for the second year in a row over 600 attempts. Tom Brady did so in two of the last three seasons. If I had to bet, considering Brady did it last year with uh, a lackluster core, so to speak, 
And Jameis Winston, the guy he replaces, did so last year. Bruce Arians, just got to let him throw. It seems like another lock here. So that's Wentz, Burrow, Ryan, Goff, and Brady. The five guys I would think finish with the most pass attempts. I'd imagine Dak Prescott and Kyler Murray continue airing it out to their targets, so I do expect them to land in the top ten. Looking on this list, Daniel Jones, for better or worse, another candidate to make this list here. And then two vets that are capable, but I don't think they hit the mark. Not this year. Uh, they might be close, might be 550 and up. Uh, ben Roethlisberger and Matthew Stafford. Uh, you know, uh, they've been there. Uh, they're vets. I, I think those two teams would benefit greatly by balancing things out a little bit more than usual. Uh, both these guys missed time last season, extensive time. Uh, capable? Sure, absolutely. Uh, I just I don't see them quite getting to 600. And, of course, with great throwing comes great exposure to a season full of hits. Got to keep that in mind. Uh, and then glancing at recent history for – a lot of pass attempts, to say the least. 2018, Andrew Luck threw 639 times. Ben Roethlisberger, holy cow, he threw 675 pass attempts. Uh, him and Luck both did that 2018. Uh, 2017, Drew Brees, 673. Joe Flacco, 672. Wow, so we're getting we're getting a couple guys up there every year, it seems. Uh, let's see. 2015, Phillip Rivers at 661. 2014, Breeze at 659. And the year before, 2013, when Peyton Manning was still in action, he also had 659. Wow, that's a lot. That is a lot of passes. Wow. All right, well, let's see. Out of that bunch, that's Luck, Big Ben, Breeze twice, Flacco, Rivers, and Manning. So that's six QBs. Luck's retired, Peyton's retired, and Flacco is no longer a starter. Okay. And so we got Ben. We talked about him being a candidate for it. I don't think he quite get there. Mm, I don't think Breeze is going to get there. Ever again, actually. And then, ah, man, the Colts better hope Rivers doesn't get there. That could be a lot of turnovers. <laughs> let's see. All right, let's shift over to the wide receivers and tight ends. So there were six players that caught every pass that went their way in week one. Tyler Lockett, eight targets, eight catches, 92 yards. Man, I bring it up probably every time I, I bring up Tyler Lockett, he was second in the league in 2019 in catch rate. This guy, him and Russell Wilson, they have that rapport. He has sticky hands, polished routes, gets the job done. Tyler Lockett, and Juju Smith-Schuster, six targets, six catches, 69 yards, and two touchdowns. Big year for him. This is Juju's opportunity in a contract year, his best year was with Antonio Brown, where he went off over 100 catches and all that. His career year up to this point in time, 
this is a big year for Juju. Contract year, wide receiver one, Big Ben is back. Let's see what you got. Travis Kelsey, tight end making this list. Six targets, six catches, 50 yards and a score. Mr. Reliable. Another tight end, TJ Hawkinson. He was one of two players that I brought up this offseason that I saw so many plays left out on the field. But I, I don't bring that up with any negative connotation. He was a rookie. It's tough for tight ends to translate their game. They're asked to do a lot. It's a tricky position. And, uh, yeah, TJ Hawkinson, in the absence of Kenny Galladay, catches all five balls for 56 yards, also scores a touchdown. And I think he's in store for a similar week, if not a better week in week two, where Galladay's out yet again. Uh, and then a couple wide receivers, Sterling Shepard, six catches, 47 yards, caught all of his targets. And Keelan Cole caught all five of his for 47 yards, scored a touchdown for Jacksonville. And then if you look here, Stephon Diggs, Dallas Goddard, and Jarvis Landry caught eight of nine targets. That's sensational. Those are chain movers right there. And, oh, wow. DeAndre Hopkins, we know he had the huge game. We're looking at efficiency. Caught 14 of 16 targets. Ridiculous. First game in a new offense with a new quarterback. Balls out of control, man. Talk about a player with a chip on his shoulder. I actually thought I saw slightly slowed down DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe played through some injury. Uh, you know, whatever it was. You know, I'm not going to get hyped about one week, one game on any player. But it's a good sign for a guy you're used to seeing these things from in DeAndre Hopkins. All right. I like this one. Creating separation. So here's the top ten players in week one at creating separation. Number one. We'll go number one to ten. You know, we'll give shine to the top guys first. Demarcus Robinson of the Chiefs. And, yeah, he did get open all day. Got a touchdown called back. Uh, they re-signed him in the offseason. Uh, Greg Ward of the Eagles was number two. Uh, slot receiver. He actually does play a little bit outside because they just don't have enough bodies there. Alshon Jeffrey's not in the lineup. Jalen Rager has that torn labrum that he's playing through. Deshaun Jackson's limited, and John Hightower did not look good as a, in his debut. Uh, you know, it is what it is. I'm not going to harp on John Hightower. I'm just sharing what I had seen. Uh, and then J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, second-round pick of the Eagles last year. You know, so that's the Eagles receiving core. We talked about Wentz earlier and how there's more to the story. Greg Ward, on the other hand, he he's doing his part. And he's really earning his way into, you know, being their most reliable wide receiver here. And speaking about reliable and slot, that's Cooper Cup. Just got the extension a couple weeks ago. Didn't have the biggest week one. I'm not sure if he was how much he was nursing his ankle. Uh, that was whether it was sprained or sore, whatever they wanted to to say about it. I do know I did see this separation here. He had third most in the league. Uh, Goff missed him on a play downfield. Still made a good play by tucking and, and running for a few yards, getting a first down. Uh, but he, he could have had a big play if he had uh, pulled the trigger to Cooper Cup, who might have taken something in for six, if not a big gain. Uh, 
big fan of Cooper Cup. Obviously, he's on my fantasy team. Uh, number four, Noah Font. Uh, Monday nighter where Cortland Sutton wasn't around, but, you know, Font, Fant, whatever. Uh, not trying to disrespect him. Uh, I think it's Noah Fant, but, hey, some, some, sometimes. I don't really know. All right. All right. So, but, yeah, he worked with Drew Locke at the end of the – at the end of last year where they went, what, four and one with Locke at the helm and they're expecting a year two breakout from him. And, you know, they did draft two wide receivers this year, Jerry Judy, uh, KJ Hamler, Sutton will be back, but they're still going to rely on Noah Fant. Yeah, they really are. And he, he did his thing as a route runner, as a receiver in week one against the Titans. Uh, number five, Keelan Cole. He came up in our list here uh, for players that caught everything that went their way. And he's also here in the creating separation. So no wonder he, he caught every pass. They, you know, Minshew, Gardner Minshew was managing the game. He made a few few good throws uh, in, a, in their week one upset against the Colts. Keelan Cole clearly was doing his thing. It's pretty cool to see. Uh, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup's teammate on this list as well at number six for the Rams. He, he led them in receiving the other day uh, in the win Sunday night against the Cowboys. Uh, interesting to see, though, here. We're, while we're on Cup and Woods, they do play the Eagles this weekend. Uh, Darius Slay, he shadowed Terry McLaurin, uh, five for 61. So we'll see if, if Robert Woods can go north of those numbers or if it's Cooper Cup day. Uh, Woods also just getting an extension uh, today. And then Henry Ruggs, number seven on this list, Oakland Raiders, followed by Jerry Judy, uh, Noah Fant's teammate. But what's interesting is Ruggs and Judy both drafted wide receivers in the first round. Uh, Might have been back-to-back picks in the first round, if I believe, if I recall correctly. And they're in the same division, AFC West, both making this list here, uh, creating space for the quarterbacks to get in the rock. Uh, number nine, Marquise Brown. This guy is pretty good. He He's really doing his thing, uh, not just living off the last name and not just living off the nickname of Hollywood either. He's he, You can tell he puts in the work, and he's got something he's got something cooking there with Lamar Jackson, the reigning MVP. And then number 10, Drew Sample, tight end. You're, you're saying who, but Drew Sample was a second-round pick uh, last year, second-round pick of the Bengals, yeah, of Cincinnati. Uh, He'll have a chance with Joe Burrow, who's going to throw a lot. Unfortunately, C.J. Uzoma tore his Achilles. I can certainly relate to that. I did so, uh, wow, six months ago now, uh, playing basketball for me, for C.J. He does it on Thursday night football, unfortunately. Uh, So, yeah, Drew Sample's going to get an opportunity here. He had seven catches for 45 yards on Thursday night football. Uh, nine targets, uh, and most of that work came after replacing CJ. So there we go. Drew Sample's got something to build on there. And all right, before we cut out, we'll talk about one more thing here, the 11, and you'll see why in a second that I just didn't limit it to 10. The 11 backs that faced the most eight-man boxes in week one, number one, Aaron Jones. And yeah, he's one of my favorite running backs in the game. 
I did steer clear of him. You know, if he were to fall in fantasy drafts, I probably would have picked him up. But I steer clear of Aaron Jones because of that situation. Not so much Jamal Williams, even though that is another body that was productive in 2019. But A.J. Dillon, they drafted him fairly high for a running back. And, you know, you just never know. With Aaron Jones in a contract year, you hear these rumors about contract extension talks. Look, until I see something done, I'm not going to assume anything. But love Aaron Jones. I think he's the best running back in the NFC North, top seven in the league, depending on your preference. I think he's up there. Uh, he runs between the tackles, goes outside, receiver, and and blocks too. I mean, there's a lot to like about Aaron Jones, uh, and, and he's, he's becoming a durable and reliable player, uh, a foundational player in Green Bay, at least for the moment. Number two, rookie Cam, a- Cam Akers. I'm pretty sure here uh, Dallas looked at it as this is a rookie, didn't have an off season. And, you know, they, there's a thing about applying pressure to Goff and making him beat you a little bit. Uh, but you, you, you would have to think whether you're, you're a Cowboys defense or any defense going against a rookie running back, especially this early in the season with the off season that was very different than usual, he's probably in there to run. <laughs> so uh, I understand that one there. Former Ram running back, number three on this list, Todd Gurley, uh, faced the third most eight-man boxes. And it kind of showed. I mean, he, he had to grind out some yards in week one. but uh, And I know that that Seattle, they got up. Uh, they had a good second half, and Atlanta had to play from behind. They wound up with three receivers getting over 100 yards. Uh, but, you know. If you if you study the film, the Falcons, the right side of their O line did not play well last year, even though they were both drafted in the first round. They had some growing up to do. It's all good. Uh, there is such a thing as player development. Uh, but Todd Gurley, 14 carries, 56 yards, and a score. Uh, that's an average of four per carry. And he did have a couple catches, not much there, only a yard, uh, more like a bailout. But um, but yeah, I mean. I think that's good usage for Todd Gurley. Uh, I would expect a little bit more in some other games that they're actually in them uh, instead of playing from behind. Uh, and the Seahawks showed him respect. They look Seattle. They were used to playing the Rams with Todd Gurley for a handful of years, and they're quite familiar with the guy. So they were on the other end of it when Todd Gurley was playing at a high elite level. Number four was Peyton Barber. Uh, I can tell you this much. Uh, Peyton Barber, he's the veteran of the group. J.D. McKissick's not the veteran of the group. It's not Antonio Gibson, the rookie. And, you know, the Eagles, that's kind of how they they try to make offenses one-dimensional. They, they stack the box, even if they're not blitzing. They try to take away the run first. And, and you've seen it. They haven't had the cornerbacks to really slow you down, down the field, especially on double moves and and – yeah, so they stacked the box against Peyton Barber, who got most of the second-half work for, for Washington in a comeback victory. And then Sony Michelle, uh, understandable. I mean, Cam Newton's in the backfield, so you're either going to contain or have an extra guy in the box as, as a spy. Uh, and Sony Michelle, 
you know, they're, they're going to run the ball with Cameron Sony. And you would think the only other option on offense in general, when you're looking at the Patriots is, is a short to intermediate pass to Julian Edelman when he gets open. So yeah, that's, I can understand. I can understand the Dolphins stacking the box in general against the Patriots, let alone Sonny Michelle. Number six was Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And interesting. He, he did a lot of work, but I, you know, I'm, all that goal line work, they were trying to boost up his confidence. Kansas City was, uh, understandably so. Yeah, they had the game in hand. And, you know, you want to get the kid a touchdown, some tough carries in there, uh, taste some success uh, inside where it's tough, and inside the 20, inside the 10, you know. Uh, be interesting to see how teams play the Chiefs moving forward, uh, especially if Tyreek gets healthier and is – the Tyreek Hill, we know uh, there's Travis Kelsey. We talked about Demarcus Robinson and, uh, you know, being first in week one and creating separation. So I wonder how often teams can really stack the box against Edwards Hilaire. Number seven, the future Hall of Famer cut just a couple weeks ago, signed shortly after that. Adrian Peterson to the Lions. Wasn't DeAndre Swift who, you know, had a chance to catch the game winner, ran a corner route running out of the backfield against the Bears? Didn't happen. Uh, on Johnson hasn't been the guy to take a hold of that backfield. Adrian Peterson comes in, and he leads the backfield week one. Uh, the veteran that he is, the Lions very familiar with him, a career in Minnesota. So they had to go against him quite a bunch. So they, they know what he's capable of. Uh, we all do. And he ran for 93 yards. 93 yards, 6.6 yards per carry. Had a few catches for 21 yards. Uh, so, yeah, that's, you know, AP getting 17 touches on the day and facing facing the seventh most eight-man boxes. So that's that's nothing new for AP, to be honest. Number eight, Joshua Kelly of the Chargers. Look, uh, it's Tyrod Taylor there now in in a Chargers uniform on the field. It's no longer Phillip Rivers. So that was bound to happen to any running back, you would think, in, as it pertains to the Chargers. And, you know, Joshua Kelly was a guy uh, that, you know, a rookie. We just talked about another rookie coming in, short camp, short offseason, no preseason. You think he's going to run? And he did. Uh, I mean, it, it's unfortunate that Justin Jackson's doubtful for week two. He's got a quad injury, but hey, we're looking at Kelly. He rushed 12 times for 60 yards and a score. Pretty damn good uh, way to start your career. Five yards of carry, week one win over the Bengals, even if they did escape. Uh, Kelly looks like he did his part, and he did handle multiple inside the 10 carries. So that's going to that's gonna give you some more eight-man looks. And, yeah, it looks like Joshua Kelly is, is going to have to be an impactful player as a rookie for the Chargers. Uh, number nine, Josh Jacobs had himself a day, man. Three touchdowns. He ran all over Carolina. I'm a big fan of Josh Jacobs. I, I, he's the key to the Raiders here. Uh, they can make a push for a six or seven seed, I think. I hadn't just missing the cut, to be honest. Uh, but, hey, you know how this league goes. 
the ball bounces your way once or twice extra, that's another game or two. Uh, I had them at seven and nine in my preseason predictions. If that ball does bounce their way and they have a little bit of momentum, if they can weather the storm the first half of the season, kind of a brutal schedule. They got the Saints this week. Uh, then, you know, I'd be more optimistic. I'll have more of a silver lining about the silver and black. So, uh, but hey, Jacobs, he was on the injury report this week with an ankle issue, but he's practicing in full. The Raiders aren't concerned. They say he's fine. Uh, he ran 25 times for 93 yards. Add another four catches for 46. This guy had, what? what is that, 139 yards on 29 total touches. Uh, he's not going to slow down, at least not early in the season. Jacobs is going to continue doing his thing. He's going to continue seeing eight-man fronts. And then number 10 and 11, they're from the same team. That's why I put 11 on this list as well. Kareem Hunt at number 10, Nick Chubb at number 11, Cleveland Browns. Look, this is the best backfield in all of football when you're looking at two guys, when you're looking at a tandem. These two guys can start on a lot of teams individually. Uh, man, I, I know we saw a split week one uh, despite getting blown out by the Ravens. Uh, but look. We saw Nick Chubb on Thursday Night Football look like the guy we saw last year, which looks like a top five running back in this league. Kareem Hunt once looked like that as well. So this is dangerous and just a dangerous team. They're going to give both of these guys the ball. Uh, Kareem Hunt on Thursday night, 10 carries, 86 yards and a score. Uh, he had a couple catches as well. Um, man. This it's just such a good backfield. I think Cleveland's going to have their chance to sneak in as a wild card this year. I do have them snagging the seventh seed for the record. Uh, but yeah, back to Nick Chubb. He he had 22 carries, 124 yards, a pair of scores. Man, I'd be happy if I'm the dog pound. They have a real chance here to to do something, to do something. So yeah, Baker Mayfield's going to have a lot of play action opportunities. That means, you know, he'll have some chances to hit OBJ. Uh, but they're going to need a healthy Jarvis Landry. And finally, they're going to need a look and incorporate some Austin Hooper into there. That's why they signed him, right? Uh, but I'm looking at, if you heard the other episode the other day, uh, the end of the week one takeaways, we also gave a week two preview. It was Drew LaQuesta, my buddy that joined me, uh, another analyst and. uh you know, we each gave a player, an under-the-radar player, not really a guy that's, like, there that you know about. Uh, but I, the under-the-radar player I gave you was Harrison Bryant. Um, I did say he may not be someone that makes noise this week, next week. Maybe not a lot this year. I just – I like the situation for him. Uh, you can check that out if you're interested there. But, yeah, uh, that'll do it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening, kind of kind of empathizing with me and maybe even feeling me on the fantasy football injury front. That's tough, man. Tough start to the season. Hopefully yours has been a little bit healthier. Uh, man, I want all of you to win a championship. If you won one before, cool. Good luck getting back to the top of the mountain. If you haven't, I'm really rooting for you. Uh, all I got to say is just manage the heck out of your team. Uh, drafts. 
drafts feel like they're big time, but if you can't manage a roster, start the right players or get the right pickups, you, you know, that draft isn't going to put you in the championship. So unless you have a player that's just having astronomical numbers like a Peyton Manning or Pat Mahomes getting 50 touchdowns in a season, you know, for the most part, yeah, fantasy has a lot of luck in it, uh, but it's how you manage your team. Uh, hey, diehards, I love to hear your week two questions on who to start uh, for fantasy football. I'll do my best to help you out. I do have quite a resume in fantasy football. Uh, and then we talked about quarterbacks soaring over 600 times this year. I gave you like, what, seven, eight players that I think will hit that mark. Um, yeah, is, if there's a quarterback you think that is easily going to throw 600 times this season, I just – I caution you, look, Russell Wilson's only done it once in his career. Uh, and then I try to look at some older quarterbacks to see who really did and who – because we have this perception of certain guys throwing a ton, right? Well, Donovan McNabb, <laughs> you know, I say Russell Wilson's only thrown 550-plus attempts in a season once in his career. So I looked at another quarterback that I felt threw the ball a lot, played for Andy Reid, and happened to be McNabb. He threw 550 times plus once in his career in 11 years. And that one time was 571. So we'll see. We'll see. I don't know if Russell Wilson can do that, to be honest with you. Yes, I think he's elite, but more so on the back end. I think, you know, I'm a smaller guy. I played basketball and some football and, you know, but Russell Wilson's a stud. He's playing a tough sport, a little bit smaller. And, you know, we see Drew Brees get a little arm fatigue, but, like, we know Russell's got a better arm than Drew Brees. We know he's younger than that as well. But there's something that just tells me Seattle feels they've had to have that recipe of running all the time. I mean, you know, I said Wilson's only done it one time, which means he hasn't hit the 600 mark in his career yet. And I'm trying to look here. I mean, he's only thrown 500 pass attempts three times. Three times in eight years. Um, doesn't mean he's not great. Doesn't mean he's not capable. I just question if he's dropping back that much and throwing that much. I question that as a runner, he can stay as clean as he's been. He's so intelligent and he's usually staying clean, avoiding hits and he's clutch and the best red zone quarterback since he come into the league. So, but there might be something to it, you know, I mean, Marshawn Lynch retired, Chris Carson. Yeah. He stormed onto the scene, but this was a seventh round pick. I know Rashad Penny was a first rounder that hasn't really panned out. There was really not, no one proven in that backfield to, to command that type of work over Russell Wilson getting that pass work. So I'm just bringing that up, but yeah, would love to hear your thoughts on Russell Wilson too. I'm not, not trying to down a guy that is elite. That could be a hall of famer. Uh, that is the Super Bowl champion, and this year is going to be an MVP candidate. All right, diehards. Hope you enjoy the weekend and the week two action. Thanks for hanging out with me. I'll see you next week.